When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are recording with Professor Roger Williams, as I do believe today is a Professor Williams podcast. Roger is the author of my favorite book, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, which is available on Lulu, and you should buy it, unless, of course, you want to support Jeff Bezos in his eventual grab for total and complete power and the circle of destiny is complete as capitalism becomes one giant amorphous circuit-based god with no free will. Or you can just buy it on Lulu and give Roger a couple bucks. Same price. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite fucking book. It's the only book that goes beyond the singularity, what happens after the singularity. Everyone else walks right up to it. Roger goes through it, and it is dark and harrowing. And it's also exactly what you'd think it is. But Roger actually fleshes it out with that. Mr. Ed, and today is for all future listeners. Today is Sunday, July 24th, 2022 at 5, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 871. Roger, take it away, my good friend. And uh, your favorite book is, of course, full of some really deep sexual weirdness. And uh, I have... Pretty quick, off, right off the bat. <laughs> that's one of the, the, uh, the uh, things that I've always been interested in, mainly because of how things work. Why... Are some people gay and some people straight and some people have even odder interests? Why do they keep adding letters to the LGBTQIA plus acronym? <laughs> yeah, what is it now? LGBTQ, I thought LGBTQ2IAS plus? The latest and greatest appears, because I just looked it up before we started okay. this, is LGBTQIA plus. IA plus. So T is for... Trans, queer, intersex, asexual, and allies. It's fine with me. As long as they just, <laughs> as long as they don't try to lump in pedophiles with that. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about things like that and what makes people do stuff like that as well. What makes uh, them tick? All right. And uh, let me uh, move my notes. So we'll put you over here and my notes here so i can look at them uh so we just went over the lgbtq thing uh and the reason they keep adding letters to it is that uh the individuals want to draw increasingly fine-grained distinctions so in the beginning of the gay rights movement uh trans people were considered rather suspect and the T was added to show, no, we are going to recognize that trans people have their own needs and they need to be respected as well. Uh, intersex is people who do not have normal genitalia that can be identified as either male or female. Uh, and uh, A is asexual. They're people who simply do not seem to have an interest in sex at all. And that's actually a gender identity. <laughs> probably the uh, smartest people out there. Yeah, well, smart doesn't really have much to do with it. It's something that seems to happen automatically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this isn't working out. I'm going to have to move the notes back and just glance over. 
because this is more conversational than a reading. So you've got all these different desires that people seem to have, and they can come in different combinations. Uh, the psychiatric community has no agreement whatsoever as to what constitutes a uh, paraphilia as a deviance or a uh, disorder versus a normal variation in human sexuality. I'm going to make the case here that there is no difference at all. It's all the same thing. And the only difference is that different patterns get stored in the places where your triggers are located. So the, uh, to start off, I want to mention a writer who was somewhat influential on me as far as getting interested in this stuff because her uh, journey was so weird. Uh, this is Pat Califia. Uh, she came out as a lesbian in 1971. And in 1978, she came out, actually a couple of years before that, she came out as a, sad, uh, as a sadist. So in the course of that, she got estranged from her family and kicked out of the lesbian activist movement. So in 78, she co-founded an organization called Samoa, uh, which was a uh, support group for lesbian sadomasochists. Now, we're getting rather fine-grained already, but there's more. Okay. Uh, Pat Califia came out by writing an article for The Advocate called A Secret Side of Lesbian Sexuality. Uh, and I didn't know about it till years later because I wasn't really interested in the topic matter that The Advocate covers, and I found out about it from an anthology. Uh, but uh, the group Samoa eventually published a book of their own essays called Coming to Power. <laughs> I, I, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> That's um, that was that guy. That woman needs a raise. Uh, well, she the thing is, she's a really good writer. Uh, well, clearly, Coming to Power is brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, that was actually the anthology. There was she had, she contributed an essay to that book, but it wasn't a secret side. The, the essay that started her reputation. But anyway, in the 90s, she started realizing that she uh, felt more comfortable in the company of gay men than she did uh, the company of lesbians. And eventually, uh, she decided that she identified as male. And around 2000, she had a sex change operation and became Patrick Califia, who identifies as a gay trans male. <laughs> And in her write-up of this process, she actually pokes a little fun at herself and says, see, this sex thing is even weirder than you realize. <laughs> uh, but uh, her writing and some of the other people in the gay rights movement, obviously, uh, they have a bigger interest than most people do in figuring out why this happens and how to deal with it. Uh, and unfortunately, they have... Uh, some wrong ideas too. Um, now, there are several, you know, there are several systems that seem to have dedicated circuitry, as it were, in the brain that encourage us to reproduce. And sexual arousal is the fundamental one that gets the process started. But uh, then there's a romantic love, which is a completely different thing, although you're probably going to fall in love with somebody that you are having sex with or interested in having sex with. 
And romantic love doesn't last because it would be a very, a very bad idea for it to, because that euphoric feeling that you feel when you're in love is caused by the chemical phenylalanine, which is one carbon atom away from amphetamine. So <laughs> if you think about it, we've all heard, all heard of people who seem to uh, be in love with falling in love. They have yeah. serial intense relationships. That's because they're addicted to phenylalanine. And they don't get to the third stage, which is pair bonding. After that intense romantic infatuation uh, fades, then you end up in a more stable thing where you might stay with someone for the rest of your life that encourages to mate for life, raise family, stuff like that. Stable family structure. And as you know, I'm, I've experienced all three of these because I've been with the same woman since 1985. That's awesome. Um, so it, it worked out pretty well. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, but sexual arousal is where it all starts. And the thing is, there are really fine grained preferences that people seem to develop. Uh, so in addition to being attracted to men or women, whether you are a man or a woman yourself or strongly to one and the other or to both, if you're bi, uh, there are primary attractions that are more important to the person who has them than that, uh, than gender or humanity, even. Okay. Uh, you've got people who are, uh, who have like a leather fetishes, stuff like that. One of the ladies in, uh, who wrote in, in Coming to Power uh, was a shoe fetishist. And she said, it, all it takes is a pair of high heel shoes. It works every time. It's automatic. <laughs> so, Fuck yeah, dude. So uh, um, I wish I understood myself that well. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a couple of people who have uh, seriously done some introspective looking at themselves. Um, now, when you start looking into stuff like this, like I said, the psychiatric community doesn't have any agreement about whether preferring uh, leather to whether your partner is one sex or the other or even human. Uh, is that a disorder? There is no agreement on where normal variations in sexual preference end and disorders that should be treated somehow begin. There's also no agreement on how they should be treated because I'm going to make the case that they can't be treated. It's not possible to treat them. Whatever you end up stuck with, you are stuck with for the rest of your life, unless you just don't think about sex at all. You can do that, but you can't really change those trigger preferences. So if these patterns are so important, uh, fashions, there are people who are interested in rubber, you know, for example. You know, you have all of these uh, things going on in the wings. Then, then of course, you've got pedophilia and voyeurism and, and stuff like that, which are kind of problematic. Where do these come from? There are two theories you hear a lot. I'm going to go over them first because they're both wrong. The first one is that it's genetic. And... There's two reasons why it's not genetic. The first is that there is no evidence whatsoever that anything like this runs in family lines. There are some societal biases. 
Uh, male masochism is called the English vice for a reason. Uh, some societies seem to have more of a tendency to create people. Which certain- one? Sorry, which one? I always forget sadism and masochism. Which one is self? Which is other? sadism is wanting to be on top and boss the other person around masochism is being on the bottom and wanting to be bossed around and there is a lot of fine variations there too with how intense you want it to be Mm -hmm. uh you know because some people are into it lightly some people are into it extremely heavily so that's another thing that varies from person to person so just because two people both identify as a masochist doesn't mean that they want exactly the same thing uh so there's all all, where did all these patterns come from well there's no hint that they there's no evidence that they run in family lines particularly when you start looking at the really fine brain stuff and it's also impossible because the uh the human genome consists of about 7 billion bits of information. It's three and a half billion base pairs, each of which is four possibilities. So that's two bits. And that is not nearly enough information to program the cerebral cortex because the the cerebral cortex has 10 billion neurons, each of which has about a thousand interconnections to other neurons. It takes 35 bits to identify a neuron. You need to identify two of them to describe a connection (laughs) so it ends up being about ten thousand times too complicated for it to be genetic it's one it's it's that realization when they couldn't explain the structure of the universe because like 78 percent of matter wasn't accounted for (laughs) you you hold the fuck up (laughs) yep uh but this is information theory so even though we don't really have a clear idea about a lot of how the brain works it doesn't matter because there's not enough your, your, your genetic code will almost fit on a compact disc. It would rattle around on a DVD. And your noggin, your cerebral cortex, and the wiring between different areas probably constitutes about 10 terabytes of information. Uh, at least that's what it would take to wire it up. Now, what probably does happen genetically, the way your brain is formed we know something about fetal development of uh, the brain and there are about a hundred distinct areas in the human neocortex and there seem to be bundles of fibers connecting them one to another in kind of ordered patterns that repeat from individual to individual so there's kind of a master plan for how the brain wires itself but the fine details you know you can can say well send a a bundle of fibers from this area to that area and then when those fibers get there, they're just going to wire themselves up at random. They're all, you know, each of those fibers is going to look for a, a column that isn't hooked up yet and hook up to it. Now, in the brain, you've got the brain, uh, the cortex is a sheet. If you unfolded it, you know, and laid it flat on a table, it would be about two square feet. It fits in our heads because of all the convolutions and stuff. Um, it contains about a hundred million columns. It's about a hundred neurons thick. And it's widely thought that those columns are the basic unit of information processing in the cortex, that basically each of those columns is a potential pattern detector. Now, 
what makes them detect a particular pattern is something that is impossible to, to put in the genetic code. There, there simply isn't room for that. And if you look even at what you might think of as a simple pattern, like what causes you to pop a boner? What, what is it that turns you on, that triggers you to get, you know, there's the automatic thing. It triggers you to get ready to have sex. Mm -hmm. If you imagine building a machine that you could point at an image and it would turn on a light if that same image would turn you on, what would it take to build that machine? How, how much memory would it need? And it turns out to be a lot. The only reason we're starting to have any kind of success with things like self-driving cars, which need that kind of ability to recognize patterns in the natural environment, is because gigabytes of data are now cheap. And uh, that's why no one even thought uh, anything like that was practical until around 2000. And it didn't really become like something you might try to deploy in the real world until after 2010. So we say it's not genetic. That's my argument there. There's another camp that thinks it's learned in the same way that you might develop a habit. Okay. It's like you take up smoking and you can't stop or it's difficult to stop. Actually, a lot of these people want to think that it's learned like that because you can stop a habit and you can develop a new habit. And there are people who think that this is the solution to the problem of people whose sexuality isn't normal is they just need to get with the program and learn a new pattern that's more acceptable. The yeah, conversion camps. Yeah. The problem with that is, as we know, if you know anything about conversion therapy, it don't work. Yeah. And there's, you know, and people, it's not like no one has tried. <laughs> they've, they've tried. <laughs> so if we, uh, let's see, get out here. So what is it? Well, we have a model for how these things are formed and how they act, and it matches what we know about the way humans seem to act. But in animals, there are some places where it happens where we can observe it more easily, and it's called imprinting. Now, precocial animals, which are animals that can walk within hours of being born or hatched, they have to imprint quickly so that they won't use their ability to walk to wander away from their mother. Well, we know when those animals imprint because they imprint shortly after they're born or are hatched. So that makes some fuckery possible. When I was younger, we had a couple of chickens and a goose. Well, the goose imprinted on my tennis shoes. I had a pair of blue tennis shoes I wore all the time. And Flicky the goose imprinted on my tennis shoes. It was cute as hell. He would follow me all over the yard, look into shoes. For the rest of that bird's life, it was fascinated by humans wearing blue shoes. Even after we let it go and join a flock of geese at one of the local parks, if, you know, we, we would go visit once in a while. And if he, if he saw my shoes right over, if he saw anyone else with blue shoes. Uh, <laughs> I've, I think I've successfully imprinted the local geese because for like three months, <laughs> I stopped like two weeks ago. But for like three months, every single day, I'd bring a 99 cent, like 20 slices of white bread from Walmart, full a full loaf, the two minute walk from here to the gym. I'd stop at the same tree and I'd throw bread to all the geese and their baby geese. 
did it for legitimately did it for about 90 days with very few breaks when i walk to the gym now they all the older ones don't really care yeah they come i'm not roger they come people think i'm like a biblical figure because <laughs> i walk by and not only do they not go for me they come across the pond the little ducks come wagging there's even a turtle that will like come up out of the water it really is some like 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 messianic like i, I stopped maybe subconsciously because i was like this isn't going to a good place this is not this ends with me screaming at a podium leading an army so, but, <laughs> army of ducks yeah yeah you know no just no no this but, graduates to me becoming addicted but yeah. even this i just saw unintentionally they right. went from running from me to fall and, and uh the other example we have is uh non-precocial animals are more like humans we don't really see clearly when they imprint that it could be a, a little later it doesn't matter as much because they spend more time being cared for by their parents but we do know that they imprint because the ones that we've domesticated tend to imprint on humans everyone has known of a dog that clearly imprinted on its own you know if you get it as a very small puppy that hasn't opened his eyes yet and you're taking care of that dog when it's very young it, it's going to think it's a per, it's a person mm -hmm. i have a parrot that thinks it's a human being now what probably happened there was the natives because he's an imported parrot but the natives probably took him out of the nest and hand fed him and so when he did imprint, he was in the company of people. If you ever watch the, a, a video of them feeding like chicks or the young of a species that they're trying to save uh, that's endangered, you'll notice that they like to feed them with puppets. Uh -huh. them. Yeah. And that's to avoid getting them to imprint on humans. They want to make sure that their imprint matches their species form so that they'll have a normal reproductive life. And, but because the other thing is we know from you know all the years we've been doing this with animals that once the animal imprints that's it mm -hmm. that's that's what it's i mean they've actually had a guy who had to learn to dance with a crane in order to get the crane to reproduce in order to get young from that bird to save its species because the bird Thought, thought it was human so it had to dance with a human uh so that that brings us to the question then of well if humans imprint when does it happen because it's not real clear all we know is you wake up one day when you're old enough to express an interest and you realize even if you haven't hit puberty yet maybe you have more of an interest in you know your own sex than the other or whatever okay or or you have an interest in some uh, odd side thing. certain kinks yeah okay um there's a guy named robert anton wilson or there was he's he's uh died a few years ago uh and he wrote a lot about uh woof woo type phenomena he was one of my primary sources for that uh, but he has an entire chapter in one of his cosmic trigger books his little series that he wrote where he discusses imprinting and where we get our uh sexual interests and he uh, does a little introspective journey on himself and he thinks that it happens around the age of two and the reason is that when he was that age his parents hired a babysitter who had red hair and as an adult 
Lasky realized after many years that he had never had a serious relationship in his life with a woman who, who wasn't a redhead, that this was a preference. And in his case, it was kind of subtle. He didn't realize it until he looked back over his life and said, hey, you know, there's something going on here. <laughs> and, uh, and he also thinks that there is a sharpening or, or thought that there is a sharpening event that happens around puberty and that possibly you have a number of these patterns that are set up and ready to go but it may be the first ones that you exercise that, that actually result in sexual pleasure get strengthened get solidified others, right and then the others kind of fade uh you may still have them as a secondary interest but your primary interest is going to be the one that always opens the lock like the shoe lady in coming to power now i'm not the only one to have made this observation he did that uh, Neil Stevenson, who is a fairly well-known writer, has an entire chapter in his novel Cryptonomicon because Alan Turing is one of the major characters and his homosexuality is a major plot point in the story. And so there you have a whole chapter where a character in the story is musing about what makes people different like this. And his conclusion is exactly the same as mine, that you imprint on something and that imprint becomes permanent. And it sucks to be you if you're a pedophile at that point, because there's not really anything that can be done about it. So that brings us to, well, how does that work then? What exactly is going on? Uh, I already mentioned that uh, the brain we see has these bundles of nerve fiber running hither and thither and though, and and uh, also everything in the cortex is connected to the thalamus, which is a little small organ in the middle and the cortex isn't connected to anything but the thalamus except for uh your nose because it, it evolved from the organ that processed sense but most of what it does it does in cooperation with the thalamus and with general theory for many years was that information enters the cerebral cortex at certain areas that are wired to the senses the sensory homunculus which crosses the top of the head out from ear to ear and the visual cortex which is around the middle of the back of the head and it's thought that as uh, those pattern detectors get further from the actual sensory inputs they are detecting more and more abstract things because they're using the output of the last set of pattern detectors as their inputs. And so eventually what you're doing is forming a fairly complete notion of where you are in the universe, what your situation is and all. Then it's thought that that's all happening in more or less in the back of your brain. The, then there are all these cables going to the front of your brain where they connect to other areas of about the same level of abstraction. But in the front of the brain, information seems to travel toward the motor homunculus, which is by the sensory homunculus, and it gets uh, more and more fine until if it, if, if the a vague idea that you thought might be, that might be a good idea to improve your situation based on your evaluation of what the situation is, then it gets broken down into finer and finer sub-movements until it uh, reaches the motor homunculus and signals are sent to your muscles to move your body in order to hopefully change your situation. Now, a lot of this for me comes from this guy. I think I showed you this book before. 
Dr. Eric Harth, the creative loop. He is, or was, he, he died about 10 years ago, I think. Uh, he's an actual neuroscientist. I mean, he has lab, works with cell cultures, does surgery and all that stuff. Uh, but he also was making computer models in the 1990s because he had a theory about how the cortex and the thalamus work together in order to produce what we call a mind. And he points out that all of those nerve bundles, all of those cables that seem to go from area A to area B or back and forth to the thalamus are all bidirectional. They all have fibers that transmit in both directions. And he observes rather snarkily in this book that what his colleagues have been doing with these wrong way fibers for uh, the last couple of decades is ignoring them. So he has the theory that the thalamus is a sharpening device, a hill climbing engine that sharpens incoming sensory data toward a stored pattern that is relatively near to it, or maybe causes a new pattern to be stored. If, if something keeps happening that's repetitive and it's not being responded to by anybody else. There's a lot we don't know about exactly how the patterns are programmed, but his model makes a lot of sense as far as how we perceive things. And his idea is that information doesn't just go from point A to point B in the cortex. It's actually boinging back and forth between the thalamus and the cortex with the thalamus actually uh, taking the incoming sensory data, the pattern thing and, and sharpening the incoming sensory data in order to recognize situations and images and all. And he made a very good point that in his computer models that they tended to make the same kind of perceptual mistakes that humans make. Uh, the same sort of you know, things that, like optical illusions and all, uh, mistaking one thing for another. That, that his very simple models, because he was doing this in the 90s, uh, explained a lot of the stuff that humans seem to do. And that, that boinging of data back and forth between the thalamus and the cortex is what we call thought. Okay. Now, what I think happens, the thing about imprinting is most uh, scientists seem to think that there's a window that opens, you know, and then whatever is observed during that window is what we imprint on. I think it's actually a little simpler than that. My conjecture is that when we were, when we we're infants, Whatever area of the brain or the of the, the brain stem or the spinal cord is responsible for sexual arousal sends a bundle of nerve fibers up to the thalamus and they hook in to specific areas that are at about the right level of abstraction. There's nothing else special about these though. The the whole thing of the, the, the thalamus and the cerebral cortex are both as uh there there's no special parts of them. They are completely like just the, no matter where you look it's always the same what's special about them is what sensory inputs they're hooked up to what motor outputs they're hooked up to or maybe how they're wired back and forth with these uh bundles of white matter fibers what i think happens is the area of your brain that results in sexual arousal sends the cable up and wires it in at random and whatever those columns end up programmed to recognize, once they start detecting a pattern, becomes your sexual trigger. And 
that's why it can't be changed. Those those things are wired up before you even have any patterns to recognize. And there's nothing special about those columns except that they've been hooked for that purpose. And they will acquire a pattern to recognize just like any other column in your brain as you go through life, seeing stuff, experiencing things. And whatever pattern lands on those columns that have been hooked by your arousal center, those become your arousal triggers. The reason for the sharpening event at puberty might be to make sure that at least one or two of them actually works because it's random. Mm -hmm. Now, this pretty much guarantees excuse me, that it's going to misfire sometimes, that you're not going to be aroused by something that actually contributes to, your, uh, to reproduction. And evolution doesn't care about that. Yeah, as long as like 99.999% of them are reproducing, it doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that many. It, you know, if, if you... It, a percentage. Long, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. As long as enough people end up reproducing to keep the species going, then it's an acceptable solution and there's no evolutionary pressure to change it or come up with something else. Carpet bomb all of Germany will eventually hit the tank factory. <laughs> right. Uh, now... Uh, the thought just left my head again. Uh, Doesn't have to necessarily make sense. Sometimes it misfires. Yeah. Uh, so sharpening just for the sake of it working. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, if so, nature doesn't really care if this process is perfect. And obviously, some people who have alternate sexual interests are going to be less likely to reproduce because of that. Some still will. Uh, oh, one of the things I was going to mention is that animals also still have pheromones, most of them. So even if your dog imprints on you, uh, if uh, he finds himself around a female dog that's in heat, he's going to figure out what to do yeah. because that's a chemical. Yeah. Uh, humans, though, have moved almost everything to the cerebral cortex. That is the genius of our species. It is so much more versatile. Uh, all those precocial animals have a walking reflex. Humans have a work walking reflex too. The pediatricians test for it. And we have to lose it and inhibit it before we can learn to walk the way we walk. Yeah. Which, uh, Not on all fours. Right. And also because we don't have a fixed gait. Uh, a racehorse has a gait that is fixed by its genome. And if a racehorse doesn't have a particularly efficient gait, there's nothing that can be done. It can't be taught a different way of walking, but humans can. And that's sort of another thing. So we have moved like all this stuff that's in the brainstem of other species. We're doing it through the cerebral cortex and the thalamus now. Yeah. Uh, and I thought when you said racehorse, I thought you said race wars. No. You said race <laughs> wars have a specific genome. I was like, Roger, please don't. No, 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 please don't not do going, that. Not, I was like, please don't do that not, on here. <laughs> not going there at all. No, I was, that, yeah, I was like, please. No, the a, animals that go, yeah, go yeah. and okay. So, <laughs> uh, so they are unlike humans in that respect. So they are more genetically programmed than we are. That's one of the things about it. it's really as far as human cognition, almost nothing is genetically programmed. Uh, but that leaves us with the question. You know, right now, there's no broad agreement. Like, okay, if I could think of that, 
And if Neil Stevenson and, you know, and all the other people think of it, if we have all these animal examples, why is this not something you hear all the time? Why do so many people go with the wrong ideas that it's genetic or that it's a habit that you learn? And the reason for that is that nobody likes this idea. It is everybody's worst nightmare. That it's just random. That it's just random, but it's also unchangeable. So if you think that sexual deviance is a problem that needs to be fixed and it's genetic, you can fix it through eugenics. Mm -hmm. If it's learned, you can fix it by reconditioning therapy. But if it's imprinting, you can't fix it. We love the science until it spits <laughs> in our worldview. Yeah. We, lo we love the model. We love the science until it disagrees with our model. Well, no, we have to yeah. be the center of the universe. Yeah. Uh, so the and, and even a lot of people in the gay rights movement prefer that it, to think that it's genetic because gives you know they can basically say i was I made this way it's who i am uh you know it's it's a reason to say well you know you should respect me and yeah. not get on my case about it yeah fuck off it's who i am yeah um so that is kind of the the sticking point with it is you've got a bunch of people who want to believe wrong things because they even if you tell them the, the right thing they're not going to want to believe that they're that that's just not what they want to hear and that's where we are now we've got the lgbtqia plus people on the one side i once got into a heap of trouble on metafilter for dropping into a conversation about this that it's obvious that whatever mechanism causes some people to be gay and some people to be straight is the same mechanism that causes some people to be interested in uh, leather or sadomasochism and oh my god did i catch a bunch of shit for that because the lgbtqia people they they're starting to get some respect they don't want to be lumped in with these weirdos yeah you know that so that that's different uh no it isn't uh the, <laughs> which is kind of like an odd meta irony yeah of of we're not weirdos we're like you we deserve respect yeah, yeah. and it's like but that but that's what you were trying to not be part of i don't want to be a slave anymore i'm a human i'm with a conscious yeah, being yeah. But fuck the Irish. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's it. And well, and actually the same thing has happened several times in the in the lesbian gay community, which is when they start having pride parades and they start trying to drum up interest, uh, everyone is invited. So the, you hold the pride parade and the leather people come out and, and you know the the uh Toms and dykes and, and femmes and the lesbians and all, and all it's like all of these subcultures show up and represent. But then when they start to get a little respect, it's like, hey, now we can legally get married. Uh, you know, then that, you know, we're not like these weird people over here. We're 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 respectable. And it's being a it's being a hardcore shock jock <laughs> podcaster. And then all of a sudden you get sponsored by like Home Depot and you're like, let's stop. Just stop with the uh, stop with the white supremacy shit. Don't. Hey, stop bringing up the, the, the whole, you know, stop saying retard. Yeah. It, it, yeah yeah so uh you have that going on and none of this is really helping 
anyone to understand what's actually going on. If you look at what it does suggest, uh, if I'm right, then yeah, well, the, uh, the LGBTQ, uh, whatever people, they're right that they, you shouldn't fuck with their shit. All right. You shouldn't fuck with somebody's shit if they have a weirder thing, as long as it's not hurting other people. Uh, now, if someone turns out to be a pedophile or a voyeur or an exhibitionist, well, exhibitionism isn't even that. I mean, you can find safe outlets for that. Sure. You can find safe, a safe outlet for voyeurism. There's not, much, there's not much hope for you if you're a pedophile. About all you can do then is volunteer to become asexual and hope that everyone is yeah. cool with that. Um, but they're notoriously unrepentant because everybody is notoriously unrepentant about once they figure out who that, they are. Yeah, what, what the, you know, it's, it's like a lock. And those patterns are the key that unlock it. And a lot of some people never find their key. That may be what the A people, the asexuals are, is they, they may just be people that never got anything programmed that, that quite works. And so they're wondering what the big deal is. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, because they're not in, they, the reason they want to be uh, represented in the movement, though, is because their people regard them suspiciously because they don't have normal relationships. And, uh, yeah, you're a serial killer. And it's like, nah, I'm just. Yeah. So, uh, but you have to get over this, uh, you know, both, both the, the you know, both of the more common uh, mistaken ideas lead people to try things that are not going to work. That's the most important thing about it. And there have been all kinds of problems like this. This is really a problem in the sciences. Uh, neuroscientists should know better. They, you know, they, they should be able to come out and say, no, this is imprinting. This is a mechanism that we recognize in animals. We've seen it demonstrated in all these uh, easily repeatable ways. And some humans can actually point at different things and show that this was what they imprinted on. Because Robert Ann Wilson isn't the only one, I'm sure. And that should settle the issue. But you've got all these people who want it to be something else so badly and they end up making bad policy. I mean, let's face it. Well, you know, there's you don't have much worse policy than we need to wipe all these people off the face of the earth. Yeah. There's, you know, that doesn't work, and it's just not a good idea. Any society, the the, the rate of this kind of misprinting uh, seems to be between ten and twenty percent for every human society where we have been able to study the incidents. And of course, people try to hide it. And so that gets complicated, but there's always a certain percentage and it's never a very large percentage, like half or anything like that. So there's a certain slice there. And because there, it's a fairly small percentage, they tend to get alienated. Some societies figure out what to do with them. You know, the Native Americans had the thing where you could become a contrary. That was... A, a way to express yourself if you didn't feel like you were part of the normal tribal society. What's a, looking, what's a contrary? They would do everything backwards. They would ride uh -huh. their horse backwards. They would, uh, you know, there was, there was a whole little set of things that they would just do the opposite of what everybody else does as if to emphasize. Yeah. This right. is, um, this is different. different. Uh, and that was an accepted solution. If you found yourself, 
uh, in, in know, a weird way, is still steamrolling them into being part of the group. Just do everything. Just go left-handed instead of right. Well, your options are a bit more limited, too, in a, uh, a tribal community because there's just not as many people. So yeah. you've got to do something. But yeah. any society that just throws away 10 or 20% of its population has a serious not, problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, not going to thrive. Yeah. So you got to figure out something here. And part of the problem is, is that they're going too far. It's like we, we don't want to admit that this is all the same mechanism because we've got a little respect now. And I'm not saying in any way that uh, it's broken if you're gay or if you're trans or if, you know, anything like that. It's a way that you might just end up finding out that you are. But it's only broken if you find yourself compelled to do things that other people find hurtful and don't want you to be doing. So principally pedophilia and extreme sadism where you don't care too much whether your want, victim is in the mood. You don't want consent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, Professor Rogers' uh, little popcorn history of human sexuality <laughs> i thought it was brilliant and it's i mean <clears throat> in a weird way of like imprinting and sharpening there's like a meta theme here you can like see a lot of inspiration for uh mopey mm-hmm. because where oh, would yeah. this be able to run rampant in a world where you weren't harming anyone and you could yeah spoiler alert do it all in a yeah. simulation yeah and uh well uh, and one of the things is we raise children very differently in the modern world than tribal peoples do and whatever area of the brain these fiber bundles targeted to become your imprints may be picking up different patterns because we're exposing kids to different things at a young age that uh they might not be exposed to mm-hmm. uh, Sadomasochism, uh, I think, can probably very strongly be related to the fact that we expose children to authority and dominance in our way that we uh, treat them at these young ages. Uh, many, many years ago, I, I was listening to a, it wasn't a podcast because it was before those, it was a, some kind of a, I think it was a book on tape, but uh, the author pointed out that the, you, you can you can really tell a, a lot about uh, a society's attitude by the way that they correct children and he pointed out that in Ger- that in germany a typical thing would be don't do that be in line yeah whereas um, among the hopi indians it would be more typical to say no 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 that is not the hopi way hmm. Okay, we think that it is perfectly reasonable to express our authority over children in terms of power, because Mm -hmm. we are larger and stronger and smarter than children, and so they damn well better listen to us. Yeah, you'll respect your elders, do as you're told. And uh, now... Primitive, uh, you know, hunter-gatherer societies did not seem to do that. The ones that we've studied have very different ways of correcting children than we do. And if you want to wonder why so many people uh, get 
really interested in discipline, you know, and power relationships and discipline sexually, it might be because those patterns are forming in a part of the brain where they normally wouldn't form until later. And they wouldn't be in that part of the brain. Uh, again, uh, why is bail masochism the English vice? Have you ever, well, looked at how an English public school is run? Isn't it very it's like all about power and dominance and authoritarianism? Well, it's another brick in the wall, right? Hey, yeah. Teacher, uh, leave them kids alone. And and so yeah, the, the yeah yeah you're right. It is overweight guy in like suspenders, like with like with like a switch, it's just like hitting kids. Yeah, and and so yeah. then you wonder why kids pick this up as something they want to continue to experience when they're in adult. And adulthood, well, there could be a reason for that. Then um, there's even like, um, not even that they like it. There's just like, there yeah, is something to be said for just the devil you know. It's people that they're like, being an alcoholic is painful, but I know how it works. And it's mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of just the absurdity of existence. Sometimes you just cling to the thing you know. Yeah, well, it's actually that it's become a hard, hardwired trigger. That's become your trigger for sexual arousal. Well, that's so. It. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> uh, so that's you know, I mean, you look at some of the things people fetishize, uh, like uh, rubber and latex. That's something that didn't even exist yeah. a century ago. How yeah. could that be genetic? It didn't even exist. Uh, in one of the books about this I was reading, they, they had an account of a guy who could only achieve orgasm by masturbating into the tailpipe of his classic car. You know what would be a way <laughs> to push humanity forward? Would be to just a mass indoctrination to get everyone turned on by like nuclear energy. <laughs> Maybe that's the quickest way to push society. You know, it's like the argument that sex drives society forward. Like all a penthouse is yeah. the high up nest, like right. There's nothing but like pussy, power, and money. Or is it pimps, mercenaries, and pimps, mercenaries, and prostitutes? Like, what if <laughs> fuck the the capitalist incentive was like that was a good run, but we found something far more efficient. <laughs> People come so hard when they uh, when they inhabitate a new planet, like. <laughs> People are just nutting so hard yes. upon landing on Mars. We have to raise our children in an industrial environment so that they imprint on machinery. But but it, <laughs> maybe that's the more maybe that will make capitalism look inefficient because capitalism's inefficient. But it's like it's kind of the most efficient, haphazard, broken system we've created. Hmm. What if you made something? But then that's a weird thing, though, right? Because so it's like, well, then why do these things persist? And then you have right generations of natural selection like the definition of fitness your ability to raise offspring to an own age where they can reproduce and mate it then would take the one that has the propagates the most generations you would think that the society that looks after one another right has like a strong welfare state has a strong and i don't say this derogatorily takes care of itself would propagate the furthest but like one of the like really just the kind of like the dark realizations I have and I like don't want to believe it. It almost seems like it almost if it's all random, it almost seems like natural selection is selecting for psychopaths. 
that is a possibility or, or that could be one of the results of uh that it could be one of the imprinting errors it would be yeah and if it's all random this might just be one of the war game scenarios that yeah. just because it's probably the right field sexual arousal is probably not the only thing that works this way if you yeah think. i mean that's yeah uh, yeah so uh one thing nature loves to do is reuse a solution. Yeah, it works for sexual arousal. Why can't it? And the brain's getting so complex. How come we can't use it for fulfillment? And like it just misfired. And so now we're just like money, more cars, bigger house, fulfillment. It's like, oh, fuck. It's the rocket. The the, yeah. the, the GPS system went off, but now it's going Mach 9. And it's like, oh, Jesus. And if you look at it another way, too, it's one of the advantages of the way that humans do it could be that you have all of these uh, edge cases that develop because it's not fixed by the genome. I mean, think about how many of, uh, you know, really great people uh, is, is for like science, scientists and artists and all were also gay or had some uh, situation like that. Uh, that could be something that makes you more creative, or it could be something that just allows you to explore different things. It's just like you can learn to dance, whereas the racehorse, you know, the horse that doesn't have the right gait can't do, you can't do anything for it. Well, I, one way I've kind of, because right there is that argument that's like the greatest artists and the greatest athletes, that they all kind of seem to be sexual deviants. <laughs> Bill Clinton was a great president, but I've interviewed a woman he's raped. Right. I mean, Tiger Woods, billionaire, complete deviant, you, you know, members of like the Rolling Stones or something or Genghis Khan or JFK. Right. Yeah. So you have to wonder why do these happen this way? One thing from my own experience is and I've talked about this all the all the time. I get locked on to something and I perfect it. And that's when I'm happy. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm at peace. That's when I'm like not drinking. That's when I'm not being an asshole. I just, for whatever reason, I find peace there. Now, when it's exercising and dieting or getting into med school, people go, well, that's just a hard worker. When I get thrown off track, yeah, my brother dies and then it turns into pills and cough syrup and drinking and weight gain. People go, oh, no, 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 no. And then I just, through the grace of luck, just got it back on track and now I'm doing podcasting and everyone's just less well, 800 episodes in two years. God damn it. That guy just pulls himself up by his bootstraps. And it's like, it might be something that's like, it's working for this, but like, you know, yeah, it, the, the, it's it, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And it's like, well, if you can find a way to like find shit that people want nailed, no pun intended with this episode, it works out well. But then all of a sudden what happens when it turns into a, I want to perfect everything. I want to cleanse the society of the dirties. And it's like, ooh, though that's, and then you get 6 million dead in Auschwitz. And it's, yeah. I mean, it, it really was something uh, probably similar to that. Uh, I mean, Hitler's obsession with the final solution was yeah. exactly like somebody who has, now, yeah. uh, personally, I think, I, I think that the people who get upset about other people's sexual peccadillos are themselves people who probably have some attraction to the thing that they are it's like it's like the, did you see that thing and i don't know maybe it's complete fake news and i'm just making it up but who gives a shit but it was like the most searched porn term in each state and like alabama's was ebony mm -hmm. like you have kkk <laughs> central 
And that's what they're searching for. And then like, I think California was something like, it was, it was some, it was something like patriarchal dominance. And it's like the exact opposite of like the, the you know, deconstruct yeah. the patriot. Everything was the opposite. Everything was the opposite. Yeah. And, and, and part of it, I think it's like, now it's an interesting question to ask why the normal outcome is that you are attracted to the other sex. Once you've figured out that you're human, there are two kinds of human. You're one of those kinds of human, but it's the other kind that most people end up attracted to. That seems to be the normal result because that would also maximize your chances of reproduction. Mm -hmm. It may be that if you're around something too much, there may be an inhibitory effect. So if you're exposed to something too much during the imprinting uh, phase, you may actually de-imprint. Get lost in the noise. Yeah. Well, or it might actually become inhibitory instead of attraction. Yeah. It's the, so, it's the, it's the, it's the Amish kid getting away from family and just going wild in Atlantic city or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some interesting stuff with that too. Yeah. Yeah. They have um, like a specific year for it. Right. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is, is that, you know, they're, it is actually normal to have a non-normal result with a process like this. And it's best to figure out a way to deal with it that does not uh, cause excess death and misery. Uh, and obviously Hitler's solution to the problem of the fact that he didn't like Jews was a little over the top. Uh, and a lot of the people who just cannot stand gays and uh, other people whose sexuality is not like theirs uh, they may have their problem may be that they feel uh, some attraction there to which they have to squish. They they yeah. they have to say no. You can be stronger than this. Okay, you have to. You can't succumb to this temptation. And uh, well, I I am the most boringly cisgender person you will ever meet, and so I've never had a problem with gay people because uh, I don't they, give a it shit. Doesn't bother me. And uh, I think it was Bill Maher who made a joke out of it he said you know you got to wonder about these people because i've never uh worried that i'm going to wake up one day and have to go oh damn i screwed up and fucked a guy well it's like what <laughs> joe rogan said right he's like i don't understand hating gay people like yeah you're either just like an asshole or you're secretly terrified that dicks are delicious <laughs> But it's like, I mean, like middle school and high school, like a private Catholic school where it's like shunned, all sexuality shunned upon. And, you know, you get to college and like all my friends, including me, all had the same problem where like they all thought you were gay. But it was like you just you had become so comfortable with your extreme heterosexuality that it'd be like it's funny because like we would get fucked up and like, you know, we'd like steal a friend's like sister's bra. And it's like it's not that we are like gay. It was just like I was I had no doubt. It's like when I play devil's advocate all the time. Because mm-hmm. I, I know what I like and what I believe. I have no problem just walking out on a limb and being like, maybe maybe China is the best. You know, what led to, what led to Prussia or whatever the fuck. Yeah. When you become so comfortable with your, your own sexuality, like you don't really care. You look at it and you're like, like you, we all have that friend who's like, I don't fucking look at the ew, gross dicks. And it's like, no, like I, I, 
I like sexual intercourse with a vagina. I like breasts. I like a woman's mm-hmm. face and figure. Yeah, I don't give a shit if a friend's like, this is why I'm gay. Like, I vividly remember, like, a, a gay friend I had in college who specifically showed me, like, a guy fucking another guy in the ass and how the guy getting fucked in the ass came. And although, like, instinctually repulsed, above all else, I was just, like, as a scientist and biology major, I was like, well, that is fascinating. Yeah. Clearly, it's something. That's how that hey, works. You're doing the same thing. I come, too, and I'm turned on. That's, the, that's not a deep fake video. It's interesting. Yeah. But if you're I- so bolted down to go fucking faggots it's like you're scared (laughs) you're scared that maybe you like it and there's nothing wrong with that yeah i was also going to point out i kind of skipped over uh that even among normal people with air quotes uh you have some interesting variations and you know it's like what do you uh what about guys who are particularly attracted just to breasts like exaggeratedly large breasts or comically yeah or yeah we, we've all heard about you know the guys describe themselves as breast men or leg men or something because they're particularly man, interested man, yeah yeah uh you've got the guys who are particularly interested in obese women I had, a, I had a friend that loved loved women with like moderately defined backs <laughs> Yeah. So dude always ended up with hyper attractive women, but it was like the thing he liked was just not muscular, but not not muscular. Like a yeah, like a semi athlete. Yeah. I was like, I don't all right. Yeah. And and you have uh you know in the in the past, uh the trend was for people to find somewhat heavier women attractive. You had the like the painter uh, Ruben, we call women Rubenesque because well that, well, that meant that meant resource excess. That meant that meant you were right. That's why they liked pale women because you didn't have yeah. to work in the field. I mean, you you spent your time in the stone castle, which meant that you got that fucking cheddar. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so but are all these little variations? Are they the uh, you know, are they deviants or are they just no, part of normal variation? That was uh, one of the things I was thinking of when I said that they don't really have any agreement among the psychiatrists about whether uh, certain things are normal deviations or uh, some kind of syndrome that should, we should be thinking of as a, you know, that needs to be treated or something. I think in my humble opinion, I think it kind of like most things, it kind of comes down to like a a libertarian-esque, you do you, I'll do me. Yeah, and, and so really that's, that's the respect. only thing that's going to work in the maximum yeah. number of cases. I, th- uh, I think just self-preservation of like an organism, just up there with reproduction is survival. I think that's really where you would draw a line of this is deviance. I I only get off to killing prostitutes. I only get off to fucking children. I only get off to rape to someone saying no. That yeah, you have to draw just a. I mean that's a that's a rational line. That's just yes. That's the that's the biological being, and that's a form of fight or flight. Yeah, and and the thing is, the reason that we have a sex offenders registry is because there is some recognition that these people may not be fixable. The problem with that is that we've put too many people on it, 
we put people on right. it who do not need to be registering because they're not hurting anybody. I remember and, the terror. Sorry to interrupt. I remember the terror when I realized in like 2011 that in Georgia, if you were caught urinating in public, you could be put on a sex. I'm like Thursday and Friday night. I walk home from the bars. <laughs> I always <laughs> piss on the same telephone pole. <laughs> I was like, oh God. <laughs> Yeah, and, but, and it's it's ridiculous. And, and, and that comes back down to when you have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. Uh, but really what you need that for is is pedophiles and people who have repeatedly done sexual violence uh, that you know you need to keep an eye on. But the other thing is that then you take these people and make their lives a living hell so that they can't function. Well, you which, turn them into a criminal. Yeah. And that's uh, Now I can see keeping an eye on them because you want to make sure that they're not uh you know and the other thing is it doesn't uh i don't think that it makes any sense to ban uh imagination-based porn things like stories and drawings uh because that could be an outlet for someone who has yeah. one of these uh difficult yeah drives. that's, that's it, like it's it. sorry yeah you know, as opposed to a picture of a crime which is a picture of a crime you know a photograph that Okay, so you 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 definitely still want to go after, but but it shouldn't be yeah. like child porn if it's drawing. That was a stupid idea. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because if you're if you're consuming actual film of that, then you are yeah. perpetuating a market. Versus, and then that, and then there lies there lies the question: Does right? You you have both arguments. Oh, the fact that I can just get on a video game and get a belt fed machine gun and go to downtown L.A. <laughs> and then an hour later go to Walmart and, you know, wave at the greeter. Am I getting that out of my system or is that conditioning me to be the next shooter? And then I don't have the answer to that. Where does it go? Are you, are you able to have that? Is it, it's the, it's the quote, like you can judge the progressiveness of you can, yeah. in, you can judge the progressiveness of a society by how they treat their prisoners. You then go, are we, are we getting pedophiles to where they need stronger and stronger stimulation and then no simulation works and then they're forced to act or is it a way of going these yeah. are people that got a fucking bad roll of the dice and if they never act on it and they come out and say i don't know why i feel this way it's like if someone goes to a counselor and goes i want to shoot up to school and i don't know why the fact that they're going to the counselor shows that deep down there is a nugget that goes i know this is wrong Right. It's when you're really drunk and you give your friend your phone and go, don't let me text my ex. Right. <laughs> There's a part of you that reckon I just, I just want to find a talk to her. I just want to tell her that life is short and we and your buddy's like, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Right. Yeah. When there's any sort of effort to to and you have people all the time that are like, no, kill them all. And like. I've also never had a kid and I wasn't molested and I don't know, you know, maybe if that was different, I would be like, kill them all. I don't know. But it seems like at a certain point, like you do have to go, did they, did they never act on it? And did they like preemptively come? Cause if someone preemptively comes out, that's someone that's trying. Yeah. They're looking for help. Now, if someone gets caught and then goes, well, now I need help. Well, now you kind of get into like the, <laughs> Well, is this just yeah. a, I'm glad I got arrested because you know what? I have been robbing too many banks and it's like, no, you're going to jail. But uh, like I read around about a uh, someplace, I think it's in Florida, where if you're on the sex offenders registry, 
the only place you can live is as a homeless person under a certain underpass. It's called, I think it's called Tim, the comedian Tim Dillon talks about it. It's called Pedophile Park. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, if you're doing, if you're, if you're doing that, how, how, how miserable do you have to make someone before they just say, fuck it, I'm going to live my fantasies anyway, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, my well, life is ruined anyway. It's like what Ray Kump said, another comedian that used to do Tim Dillon's show all the time. Is he was like, I was listening to an episode like right when like Chelsea Manning got pardoned. And they're like, you know, on one hand, people are saying that Obama pardoned her because it was a progressive transsexual move. On the other hand, they're saying, well, she went through the official channels, whereas, uh, and it's like, well, and they're like, where Snowden didn't. It's like, well, Snowden didn't, and you went after him. And Chelsea Manning went through the official channels, and you still tried to put her in solitary for life. Why wouldn't you just dump the documents and flee to Moscow? If you're going to make <laughs> it so, if you don't provide an outlet, an off-ramp, you're either going to jail for the rest of your life, or if you rat on the higher-ups, we'll give you a, a plea bargain. Well, then what do you expect? Yeah. You know? So. Uh, so you have a, an effect like that going on, too, where you might just leave someone with such a hopeless situation that they decide to at least have some fun before they go out. Yeah. And th if you look at a lot of the people who shoot up the local school and stuff like that, that seems to be their motivation is that they are so frustrated with whatever it is that's tormenting them that they decide to take a bunch of other people out with them because they know they don't have. Any... I'm feeling pain. No yeah. one can hear. Fuck it. You're all going to feel it. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I mean, it's rage quitting, right? In video games, mm -hmm. it's rage where you just team kill your whole team and get banned from the server. That happened to me on a video game a couple months ago. <laughs> it's a game I never played before, and all my friends are playing it called Hell Let Loose, and apparently it's like the best World War II game. I never played it before, and it's unlike the easy arcade games that I like. There's like actual tactics, and you got to like look <laughs> at your map and use radio calling. And I was getting so upset by it, but I kept my cool. And then finally I got injured, and I was like laying in this ditch we're in like a field in germany and i just i was like fuck it i'm just gonna try my hardest to like be a support player and this guy came up to me and started like putting the bandage animation on me and then as soon as i got up and it's my own teammate he stabbed me and then like he, he like texted he texted it and said like you suck at this game <laughs> and so i got in like a two and a half ton truck and because i can see the little icons over all my teammates <laughs> i just went ham and killed like 80 percent of my team before i was banned and i'm still banned but like <laughs> there is i just said because i remember my friends like tommy what are you doing and i was like fuck this game i muted my microphone so i couldn't or i muted my speaker so i couldn't hear my friends protesting oh shit face it's like three in the morning then i'm just they're actually, I'll actually i'll send you the video of it and i'm just driving in first person just dunk dunk you just see on the team chat like bro 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 what the fuck and it's like who's tommy's podcast fuck but i, I was rage quitting because i was trying my hardest and then someone bandaged me and stabbed me and said i sucked and you know what i still don't regret it yeah i mean what we have in some cases uh, looks like a real world version of that of rage quitting yeah, yeah. and uh the uh of course it doesn't help that anyone who wants one can get an army grade weapon to do that with either but you sure yeah uh that's another problem uh, you have to wonder how much would legalizing prostitution help and i'm not even trying to be funny 
how many of these guys just couldn't. I was born. I had a, I had a, I had parents that raised me to. I, I got braces. I had. I was just. I never got fat. I had a mom who was good at you know, making us be healthy, and I've just like I'm just. I wasn't born like misshapen. I'm just like an average dude. I was lucky in that like I've never had trouble like flirting with women. When I got really fat after my brother died, dude, I went from like 23 years of like really never having a problem approach. Well, it wasn't some like, you know, like drop dead like player, but like I, I could just go flirt with someone. I could be charming. Mm-hmm. When I got fat, I was so angry that I couldn't even get like a flirt back, like a text. And I thought like, wow, at least at least I had 23 years of being able to approach women at a bar. And then while experiencing not be able to, I was able to go, hey, I think there's a correlation. Maybe I should start taking care of myself and respecting and loving myself. And that is attractive to others. Okay. And you lose weight. And now I've lost about the fattest I was. I was like 237. I've lost like 50 pounds since then. I've put on like 20 more pounds of muscle. I have my own job again. I'm not living with my parents. What a coincidence. It's not that hard to talk to women. I don't hit it out of the park, but it's not a wall of icy silence. Now, imagine if you never had that experience of being able to and then knowing how to get back to that. Imagine if all you've ever had is gross, get away. Yeah. Where does that lead to but rage quitting, especially when you're 18 and you don't have your brain's not even fully formed? What if you could just go get laid? Would that, would that, I don't know, maybe it would, maybe it would just lead to somebody becoming a serial killer. I don't know. That's <laughs> well, and, and again, part of the problem there is, uh, is that it seems to be the haters who think that someone else is having too much fun who wants to make every, I mean, like the whole thing right now, would they just had a vote in Congress in the house of representatives about uh, whether to protect your right to contra to to access to contraception and all but eight of the republicans voted against it yeah what the fuck (laughs) i mean seriously you want to let the states make contraception illegal like because so now what i mean it's the same well if they make weapons illegal they're just going to go on the black market correct that also applies to abortions as it Mm -hmm. did to drugs and does to drugs yeah it just so that, there's no consistency there, but uh, yeah, that, that it's like what bothers them is obviously that somebody else is having too much fun. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not consistent with the logic of if you truly believe that like abortions murder, it's not consistent. Yeah. You can see where all that it's we're going to use power to our own benefit. And then the, just the age old story of someone coming into power. And what do you know? They become the dictator. As soon as you start to see this, you go. Well, this has nothing to do with, hey, leave me, because it's always presented as leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. And then they come into power and all of a sudden they want to go, it's okay to twerk in front of kids. Or if you're a Republican, you go, you're right. And you know what? And Christ wouldn't like that either. You're going, that's your religion. That's your that's your thing Mm -hmm. that you're free to go praise. But that doesn't apply here. It always is. No one can ever truly stick to like the core. Again, it's, it's Google. Don't be evil. And as you yeah. say, they they dropped the don't because it was just you know <laughs> consolidation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that so that's sort of where some of these thought processes have, have led me. And of course, uh, a lot of the stuff in some of my fiction is also based on 
realization of this. It's these these to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yes, that that covers that topic. (laughs) Yeah. Once we've uh, eventually, once we've reached the screaming point of just make prostitution legal, so you don't shoot up schools. Yeah. Well, some yeah, yeah. I figure some of these guys self-identify as incels involuntarily celibate that's that huh what does that mean (laughs) what does that mean like huh i don't huh i wonder what 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 was their motive what was their motive yeah it's like why did they hate women so much oh but that's also not you know at the same time you're not entitled to getting laid like there is a point of responsibility it's like i'm sure some of them are just dudes that never got a break at the same time, some of them are just some people are just pieces of shit, and that's someone that you could give them everything in the world and they would still be pouting at age fifty. Yeah, and that's how you get fucking Hitler, like or Karens. Yeah, but the same <laughs> thing. But like, it is fucking like. At what point? does like the nurturing become disadvantageous you know like it's good to be told no as a kid like you can't be given everything we all that friend when you're little just screams until he gets what you want yeah. you're like you're like my parents would smack me so hard it'd be like looney tunes like my mouth would be on the back of my head and but then there's also the kids that were just like abused and always told no and you're a piece of shit and they never had it in confidence, and now they're thirty, and they're just like, "No, it's okay, I'm a loser." Yeah. And you're like, "That no, you're not." Yeah, there's there's obviously a a sweet spot in there where you you have you have to exert some control to make children, uh, first of all, not be ridiculous to be around, but also to help them to grow out of that so that they won't be miserable adults to be around. Uh, but too much of it basically just tears down their ego i mean yeah this is one of the things that uh of course you know that i'm not particularly fond of the last president but mary trump has basically said that about donald yeah was that his father uh basically grounds his ego to dust yeah i've read and i've read stuff about trump doing that to trump jr there was like Mm -hmm. reports of people that were whatever the fuck he went to college or prep school or it would be like you know, his dad would show up to a school function, you know, all the dads are coming there, the alumni, and he'd be like, dad, and he's like, why aren't you wearing a suit? And it's just like, but he just graduated at the top of his class, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, so I, I had a friend that got a higher score on the MCAT than I did. And I remember he told me, and he was like, my dad still never congratulated me because his dad was like a Harvard like med school grad mm-hmm. and my friend was like i remember him saying he was like i've always like appreciated that he didn't congratulate me but then there is a point where it's like dude i just beat out 99 percent of the people in the nation for an evening can you just like pat me on the back yeah like, i mean still with, didn't. yeah that that's over the top that's uh, that, and, that's painful i think i i yeah. think i got a healthy amount of like discipline and and, and i think that yeah well what Barry Trump has said is that Fred Trump did that to Donald. And so Donald is doing it to his, you know, did it to his kids because that's what he knew. Yeah. 
you know, that was how you raise kids. That was how he, 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 he was. And uh, it just, it's a shit show. And then it comes down to the selection, the natural selection for, for psychopaths. Like, okay, let's now let's look at it from a cold objective viewpoint in terms of like resource aggregation and ability to get laid. Well, if the father treated you like that, and regardless of how you did it, you became a billionaire and you had security and a hot woman, natural selections going, it worked. We're saying, what a sad shit show. I'm not agreeing with yeah. them. Just, I, I, you know, Hitler's dad beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. You, you, see you see where what happened there? Yeah. You see where it maybe can it, you know, maybe Hitler was just a devil from the beginning. I don't think it helped that he used to beat the shit out of him and his dog. And then they'd wake up in a pile of urine and he never knew if it was his own piss or the dog's piss. Yeah. I don't want to, you don't want to give him a, you know, you go, well, it's Hitler. Okay. But if you went back in time, no, that's a six-year-old. I like to imagine he still has a toothbrush mustache, but it's a six-year-old. <laughs> are you going to go with this fucking kid? Or are you going, Jesus Christ, get the kid some like clean clothes. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're abused as a child, then you, I mean, it's known as the cycle of the abuse. abuser. So, because it's, it's, it's what you know. Um, so, that's kind of a side issue, but uh, that may be one of those things that works the same way as sexual arousal, but it's just a different system. Yeah. And it's programmed at a different point in a diff, you know, different way, but it may be a similar mechanism that, uh, you know, determines whether you have a shitty personality like that uh i mean some of these people they, they have weird things so you also had the thing with hitler you know, he couldn't stand to hurt an animal mm-hmm. he was a vegan yeah so <laughs> what what the fuck <laughs> and he didn't consider jews human he considered them animals so where the Actually, I think the problem is that because they are human, they were worse than animals. Uh, I think he yeah, some 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 of the, he probably had the idea that animals can be forgiven because they're just animals. Ah, uh, gotcha. but the you know they thought well you know the risk is the Jews will end up running the world if we can't have that. I just love the idea of someone who's never listened to this podcast just clicks on <laughs> it and they're like you know episode eight seventy one like sexual deviation oh this is interesting just click to a random point it's like well see the problem is is that animals can be forgiven because they're dumb animals but jews are just <laughs> and they go good it's good this kid was banned from youtube <laughs> Fuck this kid. Well, <laughs> it's just you saying it and me nodding passively with a yeah. flag behind me no yeah it's i get it well you did you you did a few of those things with richard rhodes too so <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Where I started trying to get into the mind of the Nazis, and I, I would just say every eight, like eight seconds, I'd be like, "Not defending them. I'm not defending them." And I would go be like, "But yeah. you can understand where they were looking out for the." And I'm not for the fuck. I would do that. I was literally. I remember doing that. It was for the Einstein group in episode. I was doing yeah. it. I was looking ahead. I was just trying to like lay landmines. I was trying to salt my own fields so no one could take it a clip out of context. Like no one could take a clip that was longer than five seconds. Jesus, the human the human condition is kind of bizarre. Um, Yeah, when you uh, to go back to you had uh, mentioned the thing about capitalism versus uh, some of the other systems that seem more nurturing. Part of the problem with them uh, is that uh, 
in a large society. You know, we're not tribal anymore. We, mm-hmm. we have countries. Uh, the assholes, the scum tends to float to the surface, you know, where the people who end up running things tend to be the greedy people who want power, who want to run things. The psychopaths. And they fuck everything up. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what happened in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's which one is more efficient at propagating itself? The one where it's nonstop love or the one that is so ruthless that they kill off weaklings into the point where wealth aggregates in 400 families, but they, they have perfect healthcare. And then in the eyes of biology, it's like, well, you're propagating. Yeah. And if you look at also, if you look at the tribal societies, when the ones that still exist that we can study, they tend to practice something that's a little closer to communism or socialism than capitalism. And it works because you only got, 30 or 40 people there and it's so beneficial to take care of everyone yeah and and it, there's no advantage to be had by trying to grab all the wealth for yourself because there's no way you're going to keep it and everyone's just going to get pissed off at you well, not only that it's if i fucking take the entire whatever the bison i killed and i took all the apples and it's all mine and i starve the members of my 30 person clan well then it's just me against the siberian winter it's yes. not good, man. It ain't. Good. It's like when Henry Ford, like, didn't he introduce the two day weekend not out of some benevolence, mm-hmm. but because he was like, they work a lot harder when they have two days off. Yeah, and he also had the idea that his workers should make enough money to buy one of his cars. Yeah, so he paid them well. Yeah, and that's like a weird way where it's like benevolence and capitalism kind of intertwined, mm-hmm. and it's like, but then yeah, you can't scale it up because then yeah, we get does. to a society where you go I can get 100 billion I don't give a shit if people die in the streets because mm-hmm. I have enough people to help me or you can outsource it to a third world country yeah that's where you get to the difference between capitalism and what some theorists call late stage capitalism yeah yeah a, a, that, rot, a rotting plutocracy yeah well because in capitalism money has a gravitational attraction to tends to attract more money so unless you have some kind of regulatory structure to push it back apart yeah then you end up with these basically black holes made of money money goes in but it never comes out yeah a runaway (laughs) react gravity is pretty good at so far until it all just collapses into a series of supermassive black holes yeah um yeah i was reading the other day about uh it was an essay on daily coast about how the the in fact the title of the essay was dear millennials we're sorry we didn't stop it and It pointed out that in the 1970s, uh, the people who were below the median income held like 40% of the wealth in America. And today, people who are below the median income hold 14%. Yeah. It was some set of numbers like that. It was like, because all the money is being attracted to these few people who are worth billions of dollars. And uh, if, if the people at the bottom, it's coming from the people at the bottom, ultimately. Well, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, like the wealth percentage increase from like 1970 till today or even from 2008 till today. It's like the top 1% didn't gain nearly as much as the top 0.1% yeah. who didn't gain nearly as much. And it goes all the way up to like the 0.0001% where it's like there is this like asymptotic, but then you got to go like, full Alex Jones and be like, well, 
if they then use that absurd wealth, you have like a thousand people who have just the, all of the fucking treasure on earth. And then they use it to merge with machines and become entities that don't die. Is that not what not, but, but is that not what natural selection would select for something that didn't need fats and, and carbohydrates and proteins and water. It didn't need it. It, it didn't get killed by radiation. That yeah, just an objective, like war game tabletop. It worked. Well, really what you have there is a speciation event. <laughs> But in terms of the thing, the breakaway ability to survive, you've if yeah. you become a machine and then can just duplicate yourself trillions of times with nanobots and inseminate the entire galaxy, mathematically, that's evolution. That's it. We're going, no, it's terrible. People are dying in the streets. Evolution didn't give a fuck during like the, the pre-Cambrian explosion or like the die-offs, right? Oh. It just, it was like, it's just this blind machine that's like more efficient. It's more efficient. It's more efficient. And it's like, yeah, but there are people shitting their pants in an Amazon warehouses. Yeah, but it's more efficient. Jeff Bezos is going to lift at least 2000. You're like, that woman just shot herself in the mouth because like she, she can't have a, like a piss break. And it's like, but Bezos is now on testosterone replacement therapy. And it's like the coldness of the machine doesn't care. Yeah. Well, that's assuming that. Bezos will uh, perpetuate more than one of himself too. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, it, th that's why I said really what you have there is a speciation event because you're going to have these people who become something other than human. And that may be an advantage and that species may end up taking over. And well, much like we have taken over right. from like apes. Every, yeah. Well, like we have taken over from everything in the ecosystem. <laughs> this might just be the next this might just yeah. be a this might just be part of the next pattern like what, what did you think was going to happen yeah actually uh i haven't made up my mind whether to go with it yet or not but i was thinking of doing another serial over uh reddit uh not the uh, continuation of the curators because the curators is complete but i started thinking about uh virtual reality and brain machine interfaces and the kind of society that might evolve where that became universal and uh so it's like one of the things that i had is that uh everybody because of climate change and the great uh die-off uh everybody lives in these massive city structures these arcologies and when you are around 15 years old you can be implanted with a neural lace which will gradually grow through your brain and make up connectivity with your neurons so that you can uh, have virtual experiences and transmit your experiences. But it gets more and more uh, effective and higher and higher resolution as you age because uh -huh. the neural lace has to grow out too. So most humans are free range until their late 20s. They, it's not worth it to them to totally move into virtual reality because it's not really... Uh, completely satisfying yet but the older people have gone horizontal they basically just live in the coffin hooked up to tubes uh the machines maintaining their bodies and all of their experiences are virtual and that might be the upper half of the arcology yeah just people who are have, have totally stopped living in physical reality um 
and then I started chasing other implications of that, but uh, I'm not sure how much of a story I can tell about that because it really does go to some weird place. <laughs> oh, well, I, well, I think like the serial, you kind of just have to start and not know what the yeah. next episode, but yeah, you gotta, I've, that's one thing I've always thought is like, we're looking at it, you know, it's like back, you know, 200 years ago when there's like at the rate of population growth, like we're never going to be able to build as much like wooden ships. And it's like, well, we're looking at it like you don't need wooden ships anymore. Like we have planes. Yeah. So it's like right now it's like, well, how are we going to be able to feed 10 billion people? Like, but if we all like upload to machines, then we won't give a fuck yeah. about agricultural cycles. It'll all just be about like fusion based electricity. Yeah. It's, it's a complete or, speciation. Or if you've gone horizontal and basically the machines are just feeding your body enough to the raw. Keep- yeah. The, you know, I mean, you're basically uh, living off glucose because you don't have to use your muscles anymore. It's yeah. basically just keeping your brain alive and healthy. And they've, we assume this is a hundred years in the future. So they've perfected that quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, the <laughs> bottom line is if you, if you go horizontal, then no, it's not even known whether there's a limit to your lifespan, but if you stay free range, then you're going to die at the usual point in time. It kind so of would have, be like the ultimate drug. Be like, you're like a hardcore, like you'd be rock stars, people like Post Malone, but you'd just be like, dude, that guy never even plugged in the AI. He's just going balls yeah. deep. Like he still has hangovers. It'd be yeah. like, dude, that's hardcore. Well, my my first person care, I've, I've written one episode and I really want to do two or three before I decide to go live with it just to make sure that I can sustain it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the main character is a, a tennis pro and he became a tennis pro because being an athlete is one way to get credit because people will pay to share your experiences and tennis just happened to be uh the most convenient sport for him to learn and he was also able to learn because he found a tennis pro who was horizontal but who had been one of the world's best tennis players when he was free range and now he's giving him virtual lessons and the main character is having uh, playing tennis games, but the main source of revenue for him, as it were, is people who pay him to share his experience as he's playing the game. Well, and this has led to the extinction of American football because people found out exactly how dangerous and painful football was when they started sharing the players experiences <laughs> it wasn't popular well that's what i was thinking earlier when you're like what were the, what would be the implications so I, I was in my mind i was thinking like well what would be the implications if like sexual reproduction was voided it didn't matter mm-hmm. if it didn't matter how good you were at working because you still had all the resources you needed you had perfect health care what would become the currency what would yeah, and it, I think it's it bandwidth. Be, it, well, I was going to say it. No, I was well in my mind. I was going to say it become the creative. Once you've avoided everything else, it'd be like, yeah, it'd be like, well, you kind of want to talk to the guy who's like the insane. When everything else is taken care of, you kind of want to see the crazy artist because what other novelty is there? Yeah, the uh, in the, the way that I set it up, the uh, the main reason to travel is that the bandwidth link. The bandwidth inside an arcology is vast yeah. uh, because you may be having virtual, uh, not conversations, but in living in a virtual real uh, reality environment, full res, all your senses, 
real time, indistinguishable from real reality when you were younger. And you may have 10 million people doing this all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there is a massive information infrastructure. But between the archaeologies, it's more of a soda straw for stuff like that. And so as an athlete, he has to actually travel sometimes in order to have a match because you uh, you have to physically be in the same space. And then the bandwidth between our colleges has to be uh, reserved for, what, for you know more limited purposes because there's not as much of it. And then there's another character who is free range and he's in his 50s. And when the main character meets him, he's like, dude, you're going to die if you don't get an LACE implanted soon. And he's like, no, I'm an investigator for uh, data security, and I have to be immune to the threats that I investigate. So his job is investigating data integrity for the people whose lives are virtual. But in order to keep himself safe from the things he's investigating, he can't have a neural lace himself. And, Don't get high on your own supply. And, kind of and wrong analogy. Finally, uh, well, and, and uh Finally, what kicked off, I might have looked at what kicks off the first of, of these episodes is the tennis pro is intercepted by this guy. And when he's on his way back to his arcology from a tennis match and the car just goes off the road, you know, off, off an exit to where he doesn't know if there's anything there. And the car just says, oh, this is a scheduled stop. And he's like, no, it's not a scheduled stop. You're supposed to take me back to the well, it turns out that this guy is inter... this investigator has intercepted him. And the reason is that he had a client who uh, has paid him for virtual tennis lessons and to share his experience. This client told him that they were physically deformed and had never been able to have a real experience that rich. They wanted to know what it was like to walk around and, and be athletic and, you know, uh, use uh, their body in a normal way. And so they paid him better than the usual rate. Well, our investigator tells him that guy who hired you was actually an alien. <laughs> God damn it. And uh, they have infiltrated the networks through the correlation effect because I still have the correlation oh, yeah. effect, but it works differently. You, it can't transport physical matter. Okay. So, but it can transport information very yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, so some alien race discovered that we were using all of this correlation effect interaction and reached the point where they could participate in without us. This. So I'm, I'm just not quite sure where I'm going to go with that. Though. I think you should wing it. I think it, that's what kind of forces creativity though. Is not yeah. where it's going. You don't want to get analysis paralysis. I, I think I did my best work on the curators though, when I was working two or three episodes ahead so I would kind of like to have two or three episodes uh, ready just to give myself a little cushion and yeah. to make sure that I do have enough to say about this universe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. One of the things that happens is that if you've got uh, people who have gone horizontal, who were married or in, in love or whatever, well, they can't have sex anymore, but they can hire a couple of people who are still free range to let them take over their bodies for a few hours and have some fun. So this is what prostitution looks like All right. in the virtual world. All right. Uh, I think you should explore it. I think it'd be interesting because 
again, there's like these meta meta themes where if you can't come up with anything to write about, it might be like, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And of course I would be writing it for humanity. Fuck. Yeah. So the thing that makes humans extraordinary in this universe is that no one else has done anything this extensive with the correlation effect or with virtual, you know, the virtual reality and every day, these 20 or 30 other alien races that exist, and none of them are closer than a billion light years to us. They're, they're just scattered thinly throughout the universe. Uh, and none of them have done much more, you know, they, they use the correlation effect the way we use electricity to transmit signals. They've not, they haven't done anything this uh, all consuming uh, where everything is so connected and so much data is being trapped back and forth. So it's like the aliens are all going to be like, what is it with these people? <laughs> kind of some themes there from uh, curators, I think yeah. curators of of nuclear weapons. We don't have the nanites. Why would you need to pursue? Mm-hmm. Could it even be done? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's similar because, like, as I I've told you in the past, most of the storylines on HFY involve humans marching across the galaxy, stomping everybody with their space military, and the curators was meant to be something different. This is mm-hmm. meant to be something else different. Okay, we are extraordinary in a different way that does not involve beating the crap out of all of these inferior races. So that's just my take. You know, I really think Alan Watts nailed it when he said, if you were God, eventually the only thing that would entertain you is temporarily temporarily forget that you're God. Like when you truly walk it out, you, I mean, like, like Mopey, I mean, you've truly had everything. Mm -hmm. It would be like. It'd be like in Watchmen when Ozymandias uses the tachyon bomb to temporarily like inhibit uh, Dr. Manhattan's ability to see the future. It's just for a moment. It's like, it doesn't affect him at all. And he goes, that was like, that was Ozymandias' like coup in Dr. Manhattan. It was just like a dink bounced off. And all he said was, uh, he goes, ah, thank you, Adrian. He goes, I forgot how sweet it was to have uncertainty. <laughs> It'd be like dropping a nuke on a robot and it going like that tickled. And you're like, Oh yeah. God, like, that was, that was the sniper bullet. Right. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So what else would it be? Probably would be what if you can have everything, the only thing left to have would be the inability to have it. Hmm. Well, it's a, uh... There you are. There you are. I don't, I don't really know. That was deep. I don't really know what the thesis of this is. Nobody take anything out of context from this episode. This was a. This was a. This was a. This was a minefield. Well, so we always end up doing this. We always. We always get to this point. Yeah. So, it's... much like the money gravitates upwards in the capitalist system, there's like late stage Tommy and Roger episode. <laughs> It always goes to either human annihilation or 
what what would you do if you were God? <laughs> well, it what really... would you do if you if you were God has been a, a a major hobby horse of mine because uh, just about every work of fiction I've ever written has been about the interaction between humans and godlike beings. Yeah. So that's you know that that's kind of a focus of mine. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting psychological thing itself, I suppose. Yeah. I'm, I'm head fucked. Oh, success. He did it. <laughs> he fucking did it. Oh. I had something I was going to tell you. I forgot what it was, though. I don't remember. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, I'm a little not not at all related. My little brother's getting married this weekend, oh. or like a, a week from yesterday, I think. So that's cool. I guess. Fucking. <laughs> I think I should beat the shit out of him, though. He's taller than me. He's better looking than me. More successful than me, and he has a, a loving fiance and a cute dog. I can't yeah. I can't let him have a total coup. Like I feel like I I don't want to do like a black eye because I don't want to like fuck up his wedding photos, but there's like something I need to do. I don't know what I haven't decided. But I don't I mean I shouldn't publicize my plans, but like something <laughs> something needs to be done. I, I have nothing to do with this at all. <laughs> I just like whatever Tommy's time he's about to do. <laughs> it's like PewDiePie when he's like uh making fun of T series. You probably don't know if this is like three. This is like Zoomer shit. I'm like a fucking boomer. I'm like, did you see the meme? But he's making fun of like a T a T series, which is like an Indian conglomerate. It's like a MTV because they beat him in subscribers in like 2020. But it's PewDiePie, which is one man versus like a ten billion dollar corporation with a bunch of employees. Like it's not really. Yeah, it's not. Congrats, fair. you beat PewDiePie. So he's so he sings a song called Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing is just mocking them. He's like, I'm sure you've never plagiarized like music. I'm sure you've never like, you know, all these crimes and he's listing them. And he's like, I'm sure you haven't ever colluded with the Indian mafia. And then he goes, for legal reasons, that's a joke. No, he goes, that's a joke. That's a joke. For legal reasons, that's a joke. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm thinking Rogers right now. He's like, for legal reasons, I'm not involved. <laughs> Rogers like, I'm not co-signing this. I did. I did not know anything about that, that attack being planned. <laughs> there are no knowns. There are known unknowns, and there are unknown unknowns. <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld, that mm. bastard. Well, Roger, I don't know what I'm going to do. Wrap it up. I'm like in like a weird purgatory. Like I don't know. Even with like to, not just tonight, like in general, like I don't know where the podcast is going. I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel like this is something more uh, apt for therapy, not a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> with that, Mr. Roger Williams, if you don't want to fucking full circle, if you don't want it, that's what it was. There was a thesis at the beginning about how Bezos is going to become an inhuman yeah. cyber god. We fleshed it out. If you don't want it to go to that point, buy the fucking book on Lulu. This is what you yeah. can do. 
This he, is he, Terminator. You can still stop Skynet. He already has the world's largest rocket-propelled dildo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, geez, <laughs> the, the, it is. Wasn't it Alan Watts that also said he's like, all of our like rockets, either our nukes or our exploratory rockets are all big cocks. Like, is that not just manifesting itself still where we're like penetrating the universe? Well, uh, at work, we have, a, we have a marketing girl who has been busy for the last uh, year or so getting IVF done so that she could conceive and then she had her kid. And in the midst of all of this, she didn't see some of the news. And there's four of us, actually five, but this day that this happened, there were four of us in the room and two of the others were talking about uh, just, you know, Bezos and uh, SpaceX and, and all this. And, and I think Kevin said, yeah, well, and what, what's with Bezos's rocket looking like a dildo and just like Jamie, you know. the the marketing girl, just like what? And we were all like, "You haven't seen it? Google Jeff Bezos's rocket." We hear keys tapping. Like ten seconds later, you have got to be fucking kidding me! It's kind of funny. It's like if you had ever been in a coma at any other point of human history, more than the last two years, if you were in a coma and like late 2019 i don't know maybe like 2015 if you went to a coma in 2015 and woke up now mm. and said you know i don't entirely agree with biden but president trump didn't handle the pandemic well <laughs> that that sentence <laughs> that sentence right like never never <laughs> maybe other than like world war ii or like being being unconscious through 9-11 even 9-11 you could kind of be like yeah it was kind of bad it was bad to happen <laughs> You know, listen, I, I get that Bezos has a dildo-shaped rocket, but don't let it take you away from the fact that President Trump botched the pandemic. <laughs> huh? I don't know, man. I heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like, what? It's <laughs> yeah, all right. Fuck this. I'm gonna take a shower, play some video games. I got nothing else. What would God what would you do if you're a god? I don't know. Start a podcast and shoot the shit with Roger and buy the fucking book on Lulu. Roger. Uh, obviously I won't be here next week because my brother's getting married, but uh week after that, brother. And you feel better, my man. Uh, I, I'm sure I will. This this is just the thing that happens every month or you know, two weeks to a month. It's just something I eat disagrees with me and I have to back it out and reset. But uh, I don't think it's anything serious. I think it's just a, another chapter and how wonderful it is to get old and things start falling and apart. A, and be a human. I always yeah. say that on the phone with my mom. I'll just be saying something I'm like, yeah, no, it's like this is happening. She's like, you're just getting old. I'm like, no, I'm, oh, fuck, I'm past 18. Yeah. Like, this just might happen now. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 50, I'm 58. And that's like, I have a, I work with a guy that I graduated from high school with. And every once in a while, we'll just say, you know, you wake up and one day you're, 58 years old how the fuck did this happen and well basically like yeah because it's like in your mind you know it's like well you know we just graduated from high school last week and how, how did this happen <laughs> it's yeah in the spring it will be 10 years since i graduated college i'm like what mm -hmm. yeah man that's 
I'm constantly running across shit that, you know, it's like, well, I've got to update this system. When did I build it? 2007. And you're like, uh-uh. it's been what? Yeah. And in fact, that's uh, where I'm going to be tomorrow and Tuesday in Alabama, replacing the system that I designed and put in that one probably around 2009. Uh, and the instrument that it's centered around isn't made anymore. (laughs) And what happened there is the state of Alabama decided that uh, an unattended system has to enforce the scale coming back to zero before it'll weigh another truck. Mm -hmm. And their system doesn't do that. Well, our salesman there reminded them that your indicator is obsolete. Do you really want to spend money updating this system which if it anything ever goes wrong with it parts are not available or while we're doing work on it anyway update it to the new model that is uh you know nice is that it's still made and you can get parts for it and will probably be on the market for at least a few more years and they're like well yeah because because we're like the thing about you know your truck scale if you're an industrial facility is your cash register. Mm-hmm. And we have so many customers that we have told them, uh, you aren't taking good care of your scale. It's going to fall in. We've had truck scales collapse under trucks because they rusted out. This one has an instrument that's obsolete and it's got a complicated program that has to be rewritten in a new system. If this gets hit by lightning, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. And we have so many customers that won't spend the money. They're like, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And it's like, when we come to it, you're going to be down for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's a, another chapter of humans, I guess. It, it, completely unrelated. I think you might like the episode I did the other day with a guy who was on a naval ship during the TWA Flight 800. Oh, yeah, I started watching that, and I didn't have time to finish it. Uh, yeah, that, that, thanks for reminding me about that. I think I'll, I'll probably go back and finish that sometime. It's very rarely that I actually go, I mean, very rarely that I listen to my own podcast. Because one, I'm just like, it's just kind of like feeding the geese and having them follow me. I'm like, this isn't good <laughs> for my ego. I don't like listening to my own podcast because I'm like, this isn't half bad. And I'm like, that's very bad for, that's bad for work ethic. Like, that's, don't get competent. That's death. That is one that I actually did listen to like the first hour of. Not half bad. And it spirals wildly off into conspiracy where eventually <laughs> we're, we're not sure if the if Hillary Clinton was involved. But like, <laughs> I think it was pretty good. It was a pretty fun thought exercise. I think you might enjoy it. Okay. But um, yeah, there was something oh, yeah, else. And, I was, uh, and, and Richard Rhodes is uh, busy for, I think, the rest of the year. But he is going to write a book on the Large Hadron Collider, which I think is good. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I, I did watch that entire episode. I saw your comments. Yeah, <laughs> I saw. I saw that skirmish, that light, that light skirmish. <laughs> I have a. Uh, whenever I get don't involved, don't be dissing in, my friends here. Yeah. <laughs> when I get involved with comments, it always spirals downwards wildly. I either have to respond like "thank you" or "not at all." Yeah, love the podcast, Tommy. Keep at it. Thank you. Do you're working hard. It's going to work one day. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
if I find myself typing, beginning to type out anything other than like, thanks, dog. I have to, because that's only happened once before. And I know you know what I'm talking about. That went, I mean, I went to the jugular and it was just a bad look, just a bad look. I just shouldn't get involved. And I saw that with the other episode where I was like, I'm just, I'm not, I can't, I can't do this. (laughs) Yeah. Like it sucks, it sucks me in, and like the fangs come out, and it's a bad look. <laughs> it's a bad look. It's not mature. I mean, it might be legally actionable. I've never used Dale as a threat, but I mean, that's it, uh, run this simulation enough times, and I'll probably drop Dale's name, and that's not good. Only when threatening people to buy my book for legal reasons. That's a joke. <laughs> All right, Roger. Take care. Feel better. I'll text this to you when it's up, and we will resume. I guess two weeks from today. All right. Uh, God bless everybody. Stay safe. Much love. And uh, as always, Roger, appreciate it, my man.